listening to Season 3, Episode 21. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Shop. My name is Therese. I run a small business called Small Business Collaborative and I work as a business mentor helping my clients grow their wholesale. The last couple of weeks I've been talking a lot about setting your prices, both your retail prices and your wholesale prices since they go hand in hand. I think there is a lot of confusing advice out there and I think it's really important that you start from a point of what your true value is, what your products are, where you aspire them to be in the marketplace rather than heading straight onto a spreadsheet. If you need some help with your pricing, then do get in touch and maybe we can work together. I feel that nothing really gives you more confidence than knowing that you are making enough money, you set yourself up for the future and scaling your business, no matter how much you want to grow and where you want to be. But I think pricing is something that can be really tricky, especially if you find that you get in your head and perhaps get a bit indecisive because of it, or if you have a bit of imposter syndrome and therefore you are trying to be the cheapest. You don't have to be the cheapest. So yeah, if you need any help, get in touch. In today's episode, I'm speaking with the lovely Tasha from Flavor Like Fancy, which is a an independent shop in um, Leeds. We talk all about running a business uh, during the lockdown, having a brick and mortar during the lockdown, how Tasha works with her makers and brands, about trade shows, about diversity and lots of other things. I'm really sorry that my dog Milo joined in in the conversation at one point. I couldn't really edit it out so he been allowed to guest on the show today and I'm really sorry about that. I really hope that you enjoy my chat with Tasha from Flavor Like Fancy. Hello Tasha, thank you so much for coming on Let's Talk Shop. I would love for you to introduce yourself and what you do. Hi, so um, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm Tasha. I um, run a independent gift shop in Leeds called Flavor Like Fancy. Um, we've been going since July 2019, so almost at the year milestone, which is cool. And I support uh, mostly local makers, um, focusing on those that live in, in Leeds. But it's kind of more an amalgamation of makers within the north. So yeah, that's, that's me. What's your background then? Why did you want to start Flavor Like Fancy? Um, so I come from an account management background. Um, so I've worked for creative agencies. Um, so it's something that I started when I was working in London, which is where I'm from. And then I, on the side of that in 2015, I started a small jewelry brand called Lou Moon. And it was just like a way for me to creatively express some of the craziness that was going on in my mind like so um my obsession with food uh turned that into like fried egg earrings and um, <laughs> all sorts of other food related things which I didn't actually realize until I did my first craft market how into food I was um, <laughs> and then in 2016 I me and my partner decided to move up to Leeds just as a bit of a change like I've pretty much always lived in London and grew up there so it was about time to, to go and see what the rest of the UK had to offer was he is he from or, or Leeds or no, that area no he's from Lincoln um oh. uh, yeah I know it's, it was totally random but um 
the connection was is that um, his sister had gone to uni in Leeds or in Huddersfield and then moved to Leeds. And um, we kept going up for various like family meetups and stuff. So, and that and going to gigs and things up here, we were like, actually, this is pretty cool. I like it. Do you know what? Let's let's try it. At least we know like one person here. So if it doesn't work out, then we can just go back. So yeah, we just kind of, yeah, very quickly decided and moved up. And it was as part of moving up to Leeds, I really wanted to kind of try and shift the balance between, um, you know, what I was doing as an account manager and my kind of sideline hobby, which I was hoping to make more into the full-time role. And so I started to make more jewellery, selling shops in Leeds and, yeah, do a lot of craft markets. And it was kind of through going to the markets and seeing kind of the energy and the amount of people that were making all of these amazing, these amazing pieces of work that I was like, where are these people outside of these fairs? Like, where do they sell? Because while there were a few shops in Leeds that um, focused on work um, produced by independents, there wasn't a lot that had that same, that same vibrant energy. And um, I started talking to people to see whether, because obviously me being relatively new to Leeds, I wanted to see whether it was something that they also felt and it turns out it was um and they a lot of people also felt that they weren't getting as much opportunity to sell and so after continuing my account management stuff for a bit i decided i've had enough of it and i want <laughs> to do something different so i saw it almost as a way that i could combine you know making my jewelry and selling it and also you know, helping and supporting other makers who kind of are in the same industry as me. And so, yeah, I kind of came up with the idea of Flavor Like Fancy in like early 2019. And God, it feels so long ago. I mean, it is long ago, but it really... Well, it's it's not that long ago. Yeah, like it isn't, but it is. Yeah. Um, and it all happened really quickly. So I kind of started thinking about it over the Christmas periods uh, the year before. And then in February, that's kind of where the idea sort of kick-started really. I started to write a business plan, uh, speak to people. Um, so speak to people within, you know, um, other independents, speak to just, you know, people that were in bars and things. And it was all about turning conversations, really, just to kind of see what people thought about having a, a gift shop that, that sort of matched this idea that I had in my head. And it was, I mean, I don't want to say that, that, that setting it up was, was easy, but it was almost like I was, I, I've, I've always been quite an impulsive person. Mm. And um, once I get an idea into my head and it's coupled with a few like nods of approval from people, that was kind of all I needed to yeah. kind of, you know, get it going. And then by April, I started because I went freelance in my in my job to kind of help me with the transition. Mm. And by May, I had found a premises uh, in Meanwood, which was partially helped by another business who recommended I try this like abandoned space. And Meanwood in Leeds is where I where I live as well. Um, oh, and so, perfect. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that was one of my things, actually. Uh, Meanwood is quite a kind of creative, independent area. Like there's no real big like chains or coffee shops or everything. All the coffee shops and the mostly the food places are 
independence. And so I thought it would be a great community to have. And so within the area, there's a place called Chapel Allerton and they have a gift shop, which is kind of a similar proposition to what I wanted to do. And I could see that it was really working out for them. So I thought, great, me and Wood, this is my home. It needs a gift shop. Like it seems to yeah. have everything else. And so when I found this space, I I 100% jumped on it, managed to convince the estate agent that this is what they needed. And um, <laughs> yeah, they kind of just, they gave it to me. And by May of 2019, I was painting and setting things up and contacting makers. And yeah, it, it was just sort of like a, a whirlwind of things that happened. And it all happened kind of quite consecutively, like loan approval um, from startup loans sign off on the premises um confirmation from makers and yeah by uh july um the 20th of july i was open oh wow yeah that went really quickly it was so quick but also i'm i'm really glad that it happened that way because you know i think sometimes when you get an idea into your head and you keep it going for too long like in terms of thinking about it you can almost lose momentum and i just wanted to get on it and just get it done and see what happens it's almost like I didn't have time to really think about the possibility of it not working because at that point I was so convinced that this is what I needed to do I mean if only for the fact that I could no longer do my job anymore like I really didn't like it so yeah I just felt like it's now or never (laughs) sink or swim I think we just have to take advantage of when we feel like that sometimes yeah definitely that's the drive we need I think like that push to do something different definitely yeah so how has business been during lockdown have you always do you have an online shop have you always sold online um I had I set up a online shop for Flavor Light Fancy in I think September of okay last... so you had it before. yeah yeah but um I mean it took a really long time and a lot of hours to get set up and I had found it quite difficult to sort of build the website in addition to running the shop and so mm. um like when I up until lockdown there was probably about like 75 products on the website so then by the time that lockdown was you know confirmed that it was happening I kind of launched myself into a spiral of photographing everything you know creating product descriptions and now I think there's about 516 products wow so yeah I've been busy (laughs) yeah but I think you know that has been something we've seen during lockdown all these amazing independents some that wasn't even you know online has all of a sudden had to or not had to but it was one of the ways they see saw business working during lockdown I suppose so at least now you come out of it with more products on your website and you can open your shop yeah it's, I mean for the, for me that has been a real good push because now I have a balance between sales in the shop and online and people are sort of more familiar with buying online too and it's also really helped me in terms of um, you know that the local community have been absolutely amazing in supporting me and supporting the shop and the makers so I've been able to go out and make personal deliveries to people that are within the surrounding area too which has kind of opened me up to you know how amazing like where I live 
is because there's places that I've never been to before, but also to meet new customers that hadn't been to the shop before and had been meaning to or whatever. And then they found the online shop and now they are now customers. So that's also really cool. That's really good. Yeah. So would you say that, you know, has sales been sufficient during lockdown because of that or... How were you feeling about this year? Um, it's definitely helped to keep me afloat, but um, it's not really been the same as having the shop open, but it's definitely like helped a great deal. Like without that, I mean, I don't know because it's, I guess it's hard to keep motivated if you don't. My main thing was always a shop. I always wanted the website to be like a secondary thing. Yeah. Um. So when it became the forefront of the business, it was a bit like, oh, my God, is this actually going to work? Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, ha- now that I have it, like, it's definitely it's, it's definitely helped a lot, like, in terms of me and, you know, getting my kind of coding skills a bit better than, you know, the kind of zero that we were at before. Um, mm. So, <laughs> yeah, um, that has also been really good. Do you still sell your jewellery in other shops too? I don't know. I kind of, I, I saw, while I was setting up the business, so one thing that definitely like plunged right downhill in terms of my, was my, me making jewellery, um, it's like I didn't have time to focus on both. Mm. Um, and it's only quite recently through lockdown, actually, that I've kind of picked it up again because I've had the time and the kind of the mental capacity to do so. Mm. So that as well has been quite good, like connecting with, you know, myself and also like my my ideas has been good. So now there's a bit more product in the shop and online, which is good. That's exciting yeah. to kind of find that creative outlet again. I, I mean, running a shop is creative, but it's a different kind of creativity. Definitely, yeah. So how do you work with your makers? Because if you stock a lot of small brands and makers, do you do they say kind of do you have different ways of working with them how how do they sell with you um so it's a mixture really so as I've only had the shop open for a year and I wasn't quite sure about what products were going to work because I think it's hard to know really I had quite a strong image in my mind about the the people that I wanted and the products that I wanted to sell but that has been an ever-evolving thing just as I've kind of been able to look at consumer habits which are completely 360 over lockdown so <laughs> that's, a, that's another <laughs> thing um so I operate on like a um sale and return or a um wholesale basis mm-hmm. with people and I think sale and return I know sometimes with sale and return there can be a bit of a stigma towards it I guess because I think a lot of people initially would prefer wholesale. But I think it's a good idea for both the maker and for the the owner to see what works. And then, you know, on things that are particularly successful, kind of move those towards wholesale when the time's right. Yeah, I think it can work really well. I think the problem and that stigma is because everyone does it differently. Mm-hmm. And there is times where makers, and I've heard this, you know, from clients and stuff that has had their shops in the stuff in the shop. And then a year later, they get some returns of some things that they can't sell. 
and they had to chase and chase and chase for payments. I think the problem is that people are not defining the rules for how they're going to work enough beforehand. And if you define it really well, it can work really well as long as it's a shop, you know, it's a mutual agreement that works for everyone. Yeah, definitely. Um, and for me as well like I had I was quite like right okay so we'll start on 30 days and then we'll see how we go but actually Mm -hmm. like with me being a new shop it was I realized very quickly it was kind of unfair to impose that kind of ruling because you know I'm new and they're new to the shop so it's not really a fair like estimation of what can happen because I'm still building awareness yeah um so I've tended to keep things in for a bit longer, but also it's been nice to because a lot of the makers that I had initially, I I still have now. That's brilliant. It's been nice seeing how they've evolved, you know, and moved into different product areas, and mm. you know, and I've been able to form quite strong bonds with people in the sense that you know that they come to me and say, "Oh, like I'm thinking of um of making this new thing. What do you think?" And then you know. I, I'm like, oh, maybe do it in these kind of colours. And, you know, it's been it's been nice being able to have some input in that sense. And I think that's when sale return can really work or wholesale. But, you know, when you can have that relationship where, you know, you as a shop owner, you get something that is not in lots of shops because they might not have the margin or, you know, the capacity to produce volumes and you get something unique and to at less risk but the maker also get feedback and you help them develop their range because you're actually in front of the customers absolutely yeah i think it could work really nicely that way and also if it's a small shop where i presume you're in the shop quite a lot yeah then you know that you take care of the items because that's in a bigger shop can be more difficult I suppose yeah definitely (laughs) and also you can tell you can really tell if you know the makers you can really tell your customers about it which is another great thing yeah and that's kind of the reason why I was so like dead set on having a shop as opposed to an online space Mm. um because even for like selling my own jewelry I knew that I always was better in person than I was online um so being able to speak quite passionately about you know, a product and also knowing who the maker is, where they're from, the fact that they're local and people really like that and buy into that. So, you know, having that kind of journey as well is is quite good for achieving sales, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even more so now if something has happened during lockdown is that people want to connect even more with the people behind the brands I think yeah definitely so what has sold well during lockdown um it's mainly been homewares um so anything from like prints and candles to like incense burners yeah it's just homewares in general (laughs) and Um, before lockdown what sold the best jewelry um I think that's I think that makes sense though I think yeah yeah like people going out more well going out in general (laughs) (laughs) Um, and now it's more like hmm what can I do to make my home better so yeah absolutely everyone's had like massive clear outs (laughs) and everyone's had to create some sort of space to work at I think definitely my partner's definitely tried to to make his area look nice (laughs) But it makes such a difference, doesn't it? It like, really does. Yeah, I I think 
I'm totally with you on that, or with him on that. So have you been able to place orders with your makers and and brands during lockdown or um, has things been selling well enough for that? Has it been? Yeah, I mean, I've been quite keen to support people uh, where I where I can definitely I mean there's been a, a definite uplift in people uh, creating new things mm. and so you know I think well, it was po- important for me to list as much as possible of that new work just to kind of show and not even just list it but also just share it on social and I've always been quite keen to put the makers at the forefront of what I do because without them there is no flavor like fancy so yeah like I've def I've placed um a few orders with people. I've also arranged for new stock to be delivered kind of throughout lockdown really. So oh, that hasn't really stopped for me. That's brilliant. And have you taken on new brands during that time or has that I been have. new? I oh, have, have, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of saw it as a lockdown as an opportunity to explore a bit. And I've always been a bit like that anyway, just in terms of, you know, seeing what people like and what people are responding to online mm. you know because I'm basically always on Instagram anyway um, yeah. <laughs> like pe- new people have been popping up and whenever I see something that's quite interesting or th- that I think will really work for the shop just kind of getting in contact with the maker and yeah going for it really that's exciting do you find most of your new friends on uh, Instagram yes I do <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's just because you know Instagram being you know such a great visual platform it's just so easy and also you know the connections that you have with people form new connections with new people so it's almost like this weird like spirograft in terms of like makers so I do definitely use that as a sort of hunting tool how do you come across new brands is it in other people's stories or do you follow certain hashtags how do you find new brands do you think um it's a mixture of things really yes stories I uh, read um blogs and things um so whenever somebody mentions a certain maker I will check that person out there's been a few uh craft markets doing um you know, like online markets. So that's also been quite a good tool for finding new brands. Yeah. And yeah, just like friends of makers, I guess, as well. And do lots of them get in touch with you directly? Yes. Like at first, uh, when I first opened, it was, um, there was a lot of people getting in contact with me about stocking. And Mm. I kind of, I want to kind of give because there's so many amazing people out there this is the other thing so it makes it quite hard to choose <laughs> and so um there's been a few people where they've got in contact with me last year and it's only now that I've been like okay right okay this is it this is time <laughs> and um remembered so I always kind of make sure that I keep people you know kind of in reserves knowing that what as soon as a space opens up I will in, try and involve them yeah well, that that's a good way to do it, I think. And do you think that you've had less people reach out to you now during lockdown? A bit less, yeah. I think, I know a few makers have said about um, issues with suppliers, which is, you know, totally understandable. Um, so, you know, there hasn't been, a, they haven't been able to get their work printed and things as, as much as they mm. wanted to. But since I've opened again, it's, that's definitely picked up and do you think do you enjoy when people seek you out and kind of 
present to you what they do or introduce themselves I really like it yeah it's 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 such it's so nice when people approach me and I love it even more when people just turn up in the shop and they're just like this is this is what hi this is what I do and then they show me some pieces Um, I love that because not all shop owners love that (laughs) it's because it's the kind of thing that I would do I mean (laughs) I think that's why I I think it's great but you know there are people that don't, but like I think it's great. <laughs> I have taken on quite a few people through that method, so yeah, it it works for me. I mean, of course, I wouldn't want to <laughs> have like a queue of people to see. Oh no! <laughs> but um, but no, but it I, doesn't I, happen that way. I think it's quite organic. Yeah, no, no, I, I really enjoy it, and you get to actually meet the person, which makes such a difference. Exactly. So how about now when we're coming out of lockdown, have you opened? What changes have you made? Yeah, so um, I opened on the 18th. At first, I was really, really nervous for varying reasons. Just like I didn't know what it was going to be like. I didn't know whether people were still going to want to come in. I had kind of followed the government guidelines, of course, as to, you know, opening standards and what I should and shouldn't be doing but it's actually been really good being open Um, and I found like quite a few customers have come back and you know even just to say hi and tell me how much they've missed being in the space which is lovely but yeah like I it's it's actually been like quite busy as well like much busier than I had anticipated and I've got I've dropped my working hours as well, so I'm only open Wednesday to Sunday now. Mm. But that's something that's subject to change. But again, it's just because I didn't know like what it was going to be like or what would work necessarily. So that's still something that I'm feeling out. So who knows? In another two weeks' time, we make a mark. <laughs> it's a bit of a learning curve, isn't it? Definitely. Do you find that there's like you know when they come into the shop, has their consumer behaviour changed? Like. Do you find that most people, for example, buy and spend money that come in or has that changed? Buying behavior has definitely changed. There's a lot less people kind of browsing and Mm -hmm. more like with this awareness that they want to support independence. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if, you know, it's just a card kind of thing, people are, you know, coming in and buying the card and making a point to tell me, you know, like I saw I saw that you were on uh, I don't know leads list or something and I wanted to come in and support you which is which is amazing um <laughs> yeah so amazing um and I I just know from my like behavior like before I would just you know had a bit of a rubbish day I would love to go into like a nice shop you get so much energy and it's just so nice and you know you might pick up something little, but I wouldn't feel that I had to pick something up. Whereas now, the other day I went and I was going to the supermarket and ended up going shopping instead. But I didn't need anything in particular. But I mean, I didn't leave any of the shops without buying something because I felt like you know if I taken up their one of their two people they can have in the shop, <laughs> I have to spend some money. <laughs> and also because I want to support them, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm exactly the same. I mean, I haven't been to uh, many shops uh, recently, but the kind of meme places in and around Meanwood, like it, just buying more coffees out or, you know, just cakes and anything that I can do to support the local community has been quite, mm. quite important for me. Yeah, like almost in a, like, not more so than it was before, but I definitely feel 
feel the need to. I feel like a lot like how I need to be active in like promoting black owned businesses or having a diverse range of guests on my podcast or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I also have to make m- even more of an active effort. I mean, I always shopped independent, but you know, I have to be even more active in that choice. I feel because that's where my you know that's what I talk about all the time. So yeah. I need to kind of back that up with where I spend my money. I feel definitely, yeah. Like I, I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, we both would say this, though, wouldn't we? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so with the whole Black Lives Matter and everything coming to the forefront over, especially on social media, has that had any impact on your business? It has. Yeah, I've seen like a definite rise in people. Sharing um flavor like oh no it's fine (laughs) yeah so lots of people um sharing like about the shop and just you know kind of asking me to you know whether they can they can post about certain things that I'm doing and and about me and so it's been quite it's been quite interesting like I guess the changes that are being made now for me at first I, I guess I kind of felt everything to be quite overwhelming um yeah. because of like where all of this had come from and I didn't really know what to kind of do with that information in terms of processing it it's been quite hard I guess um yeah. but the changes that I'm seeing happen are quite exciting and it definitely feels like we're kind of edging towards a turning point in a realization I guess yeah just being more aware hopefully will make us all make well you know lots of us make different choices yeah definitely have you always been like is that something that you have considered in the past because I feel that our industry is not very diverse and I think that as shop owners and brands we haven't it hasn't been a discussion point so people have it's not been on the forefront of people's minds so you know thinking about having cards in their shops that features both black and asian and white people on them if you have cards with people on them mm-hmm. or that sort of thing has that been something that you've thought of in the past I have always tried to make the shop as diverse as possible and that you know kind of coincide with that I've been contacted by various different makers like I'm Mm -hmm. more interested in the products for sure like because I'm still building a brand at the end of the day yeah but I've always been quite conscious because I know from when I again going back to my jewelry Lou Moon um, yeah there wasn't a lot of black people or just persons of color that were doing what I did and that is something that I, it doesn't just kind of stop at the crafts industry. It starts kind of in arts courses in general. So I guess from when I went to university, I was always aware that it wasn't something that was, there wasn't a lot of persons of colour on my course. So therefore, yeah. there probably wouldn't be a lot of people um, who would be makers. So when I do find them, I, I do feel, uh, well, have always felt like, okay, right, this is a time to celebrate what they're doing and to show them because I think it's a bit hard to be seen. Yeah. And do, so do you feel that that was a disadvantage when you were doing your jewellery 
for you, you know, that did you feel that you weren't seen as much? Um, at the time, not like I didn't, I didn't, because I had this awareness and obviously I've I've had I've been sort of growing and developing in this industry knowing that fact already that there just wasn't a lot of people. Yeah. Um so I kind of felt on one side or wondered whether people wouldn't buy from me because I was black or you know wonder, but now I'm sort of in that phase where I wonder why people are only <laughs> buying from me because of that but I, I really hope that that's not the case as well no well from a personal point of view the way I see it is like you know just I wouldn't necessarily go you know I've definitely gone and bought some things where someone has said oh look at these black owned businesses on Instagram but I haven't then made the final purchase because of that fact you know like that might have been a process of like discovery but it's not what makes me spend my money yeah if that makes sense and I think that's how I think that's like how you know people can diversify their ranges too you know if you shouldn't I suppose stock something in your shop that doesn't go with your look and what you're trying to achieve but if there's two makers that are similar to each other and one is white and one is black I suppose then you can make a choice Mm. if it you know if you have to make a choice and can't stock both of them yeah (laughs) I think it just helped us discover more and make be more aware of it yeah I think that side of things has been really nice, actually, like seeing so many other businesses kind of being able to come out of the woodwork and just be seen. Um, Mm. And I do hope that the outcome of that, as you say, is that more um, black and um, people of colour are able to sell within shops and are getting, like, I guess, the airtime that they deserve um, alongside, you know, an industry that is mainly white uh so fingers crossed (laughs) yeah I hope so too I think I really hope so have you experienced any like um like racism or or I suppose bias in our industry I find that a lot of racism um that well I can only really speak for myself here but Mm -hmm. is more in terms of like microaggressions or off-the-cuff comments really yeah it's been rare for me to experience something that is out and out racist but yeah definitely uh and I think you kind of learn to build like quite a tough skin towards it and you also sometimes feel like because when those kind of things happen it's hard to define and it's hard to talk about Mm -hmm. so you're not you're almost like Am I overreacting? Did they really mean it like that? Yeah, but I so know that feeling. Yeah. I, it, you you start questioning: Am I actually making this all up in my head? Yeah, did, did that really happen? They probably didn't mean it like that. You end up making excuses for the person that actually hurt you. Definitely, yeah. And I'm sure you know. I know that I have a lot of privileges, but I'm still a person of color. And, you know, these, it's not even that people are trying to be bad, you know, like most people are nice. Yeah. <laughs> just they don't know better, I think. 
Yeah, it, it's more like, yeah, like the off-the-cuff comments are definitely something that comes from like a, almost a place of ignorance mm-hmm. more than just an attempt to be mean. So Yeah, I'm sure, you know, we've all had times where people have been intentionally mean, but that but most of the time it's just those little things. Yeah. It's so hard to know whether you should call people up on the... I mean, I usually end up feeling embarrassed and thinking I'm overreacting more than anything. Yeah. I think with everything that's going on as well, it's kind of taught me the importance of, you know, calling out people and standing up for myself more. I think before, only if it was something that was really serious or it was something that kept happening, Mm. um, would I actually say something. But now I definitely feel like, okay, if I see something and I feel something, then it's real. So I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Me too. I'm at that place too. And the fact that I can use the little platform I have to talk about it when I feel like it, yeah. rather than worry about getting it wrong, I'm just going to talk about it now. Yeah, I think I, I like to hope as well that lots of other people feel the same and will do the same because that's how we can contribute to change and yeah. to kind of spreading awareness, really. Yeah, I think this year has been the biggest curveball learning curve sort of year to date. I know, it's been crazy really. I think without lockdown, I don't know whether these issues would be pushed into the forefront in in the same way. I think not. I've had a few different discussions around this. Some it's just been super, super interesting. I spoke to Vanessa um, uh, from High 15 and she said, not only did people have more time on their phones and, you know, but people has also had privileges taken away from them, their freedom taken away from them. Yeah. And she said that the whole thing with George Floyd is obviously he said, I can't breathe. And COVID-19, that's what happens, right? Yeah. You can't breathe. Yeah. So psychologically, people have had their freedom removed from them. So it hits them much more they can relate much more to it yeah that's a good point actually I I had not thought about it like that I just thought oh we all have more time on our phones and I think that's part of it but actually it probably goes a lot deeper than that because most consumer trends most trends in society or I don't trend is probably not the right word but you know most things like this, they, they run much deeper than we think often. It's true, they do. That has been very interesting and, then, you know, the changing consumer habits. So what are you looking for this year? What do you think is going to do? Do you think homewares are going to continue to do really well? Are you looking for anything particular to add to your range? I Yeah, I definitely think homeware is going to continue to grow. I mean, I think... People are still going to be somewhat hesitant about, you know, going out and there's going to be a lot more emphasis on staying at home and, you know, being with family and close friends and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I I definitely want to expand on my homeware range. I'm not quite sure um, into what yet, so watch the space. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, like I think there's there's so many interesting products that are being made at the minute. Um, like 
working quite closely with um, a few people who make ceramics within the shop, like even their product range has expanded. And we've been in talks about some other things that have, you know, occurred to both of us as Mm. well. So I guess we'll have to see, really. That is exciting. I I wonder, you know, when people come to launch, of course, a lot of people, especially the bigger companies, will be launching new products come September time. Yeah. I wonder if we will see a lot more like things to do with like clever solution for your home office and that sort of thing. I wonder if that's going to be just an overload of stuff for your home office. That's or, true, actually, like sort of utilizing your, um, yeah, your your kind of corner, how to make it look good. Yeah, yeah. like still within, you know, what you do. So if you're a ceramicist, are you going to make, I don't know, Instead of travel mugs, you know, I I don't know, water jugs or taller glasses for keeping water on your desk. I don't know. Yeah. Or like pen holders. <laughs> I mean, that could just be a mug, Best right? But like, yeah. <laughs> you know, are you? I I wonder if we will see things like that. It would be very interesting, and because I don't imagine anyone's going to be going back to work really that has been fortunate enough to work from home until nearing to Christmas I guess yeah if you can't can avoid it yeah why wouldn't you it's true what do you think do you usually go to trade shows yeah so I went to um top draw in January Mm -hmm. actually my god I I was totally overwhelmed I I mean like I knew that it was going to be big I had an idea of some makers that I currently stock that were going to be there but I was totally blown away I just, yeah. it was so, like, it was crazy. Like, I didn't expect, I don't know what I expected, but I didn't expect that. Like, I did, like, there was just so, I basically wanted everything. And <laughs> if I had, you know, kind of everything that I'd written down, if I had attempted to stock it in the shop, like, I'd have to be like a, I don't know, like a John Lewis level of size, really, to <laughs> include everything. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think trade shows, they're, they're really, it's a really good tool, like a really good platform to find new people. And also just to change your way of thinking, because I suppose with Instagram, like, I know that I use it quite a lot to find makers, but I guess that also keeps me thinking about a, a certain type of product a lot. But with trade shows, I started to think bigger, like, wow, actually, maybe I should go into, you know, like, I, like rugs I was looking at. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I don't, I definitely do not have the space to stock rugs. But at the time I was thinking about it, I mean, I'm still thinking about it, like how I can incorporate it. But, um, and then you meet someone really nice and then you were like, oh, I really want to work with her. That's it. Yeah, you have like, I met, like, had conversations with the most amazing people. Like people just so so down to earth and, you know, kind of, and you, it makes you want to buy into them and support mm-hmm. them. And do you think that if trade shows were to go ahead this year, would you go in September or what do you feel about it? I think... I would probably not go in September only because going in January gave me a lot of food for thought. Mm -hmm. And I think what I learned and, um, you know, the ideas I gained from that, I still haven't actually had a chance to kind of put it in action yet because we've been on pause to some extent. So I almost need to give myself the space to sort of work all of that out and not forget about the people that I've seen. Yeah. And then next January, then I can almost start afresh. 
Yeah, so maybe for you, even if it was a normal year, once a year is enough. Yeah, because... I think so because it's it's absolutely huge. <laughs> so, and the thing is, I I did it over the course of a day as well. Oh yeah, that's hard. <laughs> so... <laughs> did you travel down on the same day? Yeah, I did. I um because it was kind of a last minute decision. I was umming and ahhing about going. And then I was like, do you know what? Just get on the train, go down to London, go. And yeah, it it was just so much to take in. Uh, Well, I think I I don't even know what will happen this autumn, but we'll see, I suppose. Have you used any of these um, marketplaces for wholesale? Any of the marketplaces? So like there is now like... Well, it's been for a while, but there are some marketplaces where you can place wholesale orders. A little bit like not on the high street, but for a shop. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, Yes. Okay. I know what you mean now. Um, I have considered quite a few, some of whom I had met at the trade shows, but I kind of, I kind of am more interested in working with individuals at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing I realized. I think there's a lot more smaller businesses that need the support rather than these big companies. Even yeah. though I know that they manage like smaller makers. I don't know. I, I felt that with the shop only being open for, you know, less than a year, it was more important for me to to focus on what's in, you know, the smaller people in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have asked a few people and I know that I know brands that do really well on those kind of platforms platforms yeah but then I've also talked to a lot of shop owners particularly smaller independents that sort of says well my biggest enjoyment comes from my like connection with the makers of brands yeah (laughs) so it's a hard balance I suppose yeah I mean it it is because it's on one side you know you have like you're open to like quite a wide range of products and a Mm. wide range of makers in one go and it's easy it's like you know kind of at the click of a button type of thing. But yeah, you do lack that personable experience and I'm quite personable. So yeah, it means means a lot to speak to people. It makes the day so much better. Yeah. Did you find that all a lot of, during lockdown, do you feel that a lot of your makers and, and brands that you stock, did they get in touch with you during, in the beginning of lockdown or um, what happened there? Yeah, so we've been speaking quite. I've been speaking quite a lot to makers over email and on Instagram and things, just kind of checking in to see how people are and vice versa. You know, I one of the makers reached out to me and asked if she if we want if I wanted to do like a t shirt collaboration. So we did that, and that was awesome. Like it was, yeah. it was something that I've always wanted to do, but never really. I don't know, just never really thought about actually doing it. Yeah. So when she approached me, I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. I like having that little bit of extra time to do things like that is exciting. Yeah, and it works really well as well. And um, in fact, people have just started to get their T-shirts now, which is quite exciting. Oh, that's cool. And you are going to have an, I mean, your year is only going to get more exciting because you're having a baby. Yes. <laughs> how does that feel with like, how are you going to manage the shop and, you know, having a baby and all that? Um, well, at the moment, the shop, I, I'm the only person that works there. But taking mm-hmm. on another person is something that I've kind of had, I started to think about in the beginning of the year. 
So I think closer to the time I'm going to do that. But then also I have the benefit of um, living about five minutes, if that, from the shop. (laughs) So I'm thinking a little potential shop baby situation when the time comes. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not something, I I mean, you know, as small business owners, that is always a challenge, right? When you what do you do do you hire what what is the best solution yeah like I I honestly have no idea what the first few months are going to be like so just to make sure I'm supported within that period I think it's it's and it's with it being close to Christmas at that point oh yeah getting somebody in will be quite important but yeah five minutes that away be exciting <laughs> then to like interview and hire your first I know like, what a milestone <laughs> It'd be very weird. Like I, I can't imagine myself in a interviewee situation. Probably shouldn't say that, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it should be fun actually. Well, that could be makers that you know need to have a side job while well, well, or wants to do something on the side of making. Yeah, so you never know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well. Th- Thank you so much for having a chat and coming on the podcast. Would you share with us where people can find you, how they can buy from you? Sure. Um, everything. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Um, so uh, my online shop is uh, flavorlightfancy.co.uk. Um, our Leeds-based bricks and mortar is in Meanwood Leeds, so it's number eight Stainbeck Avenue, LS7 to PA. Kind of located just in the vicinity of lots of the other independents in the area. And yeah. Apart from that, um, my contact details. You can, uh, if you'd like to get in contact, uh, you can DM me on Instagram or email me at flavorlightfancy at gmail.com. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. It was really lovely to chat with you and find yeah. out more about your business. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much, Tasha, for coming on the show. And thank you so much to all of you who are listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment and share what you are tuning in. I love seeing that. You can tag me over on Instagram. I'm at small underscore business underscore collaborative. And if you have a moment, please do head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a little review or rating as it really helps more people discover the podcast. And of course, while you're there, you can also subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. I will be back with another episode soon. Until then, I hope that you do really, really well and that you stay safe and healthy. And thank you so much for listening.